Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. And I'm Orla McNeilis. Welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we recommend a movie, well, we take turns to recommend a movie, then we watch it and meet to discuss it. This week's film was picked by Orla. It was. Chipper, chipper, chipper. Oh yeah, unlike the movie. Uh, (laughs) It is In Cold Blood from 1967, directed, produced and screenplay by Richard Brooks, based on In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Music by Quincy Jones, cinematography by Conrad Hall, edited by Peter Zinner, uh, starring Robert Blake, Scott Wilson and John Forsyth, also known as Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Uh, hello, <laughs> His Charlie. His only other important role. Well, that's the only one that I know. <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, the synopsis is, in this adaptation of Truman Capote's seminal true crime novel, ex-convicts Perry Smith and Richard Dick Hickok hatch a plan to rob a wealthy Kansas family, the Clutters. The men enter the Clutter home expecting to find a safe filled with cash, but in fact find no money at all. Enraged, they kill the entire family and flee. While on the run, they face not only the realities of their terrible crime, but also their own earthly impermanence. Beauty. Apparently, Google is getting like more and more fucking novelistic as we go along. <laughs> Matches the source material in a way. Very, uh, new, very new journalism. Uh, I love how it's like in this adaptation, unlike all the other adaptations that, uh, you know, where Dick and Perry don't kill the clutters, they just go on a whirlwind romance. So, Orla, why did you pick this movie? <laughs> yeah, so, well, you hadn't read, you'd read the book of this not that long ago. When did you read the book? Uh, last September. Yeah, and I feel like this is quite a big blind spot for you, and I'd been waiting to like recommend it for quite some time. And I don't know, it felt like the right time now. I feel like we'd done a few kind of um, happier films or films that <laughs> elicit sort of more positive emotions yeah. from us, um, especially after last week. So it felt like the right time. And I feel like the first time I ever watched this was um, during the summer, and it really matched the kind of. Um, the very like the the climate of Kansas and everything, and I feel like this this is kind of an oddly summer movie. We're not in Kansas anymore, totally. Indeed, but um, I was obsessed with this movie whenever I first watched it, um, like along with the book as well. And I don't think it's just watching it now. I don't think I don't think it's as perfect as I felt it was then. But I still think that this film manages to overcome its problems for a number of reasons, which we'll get into. But um, ov- like ultimately, this film just really unsettles me um, in a way that like kind of well-executed true crime can, sort of like, <laughs> like Zodiac say. But um, it, it did, yeah, just that kind of like cold objectivity. I don't know if this film necessarily has the le- like the level of objectivity and coldness that the book does but I think that it managed to ach- has manages to achieve it in certain ways and I find that very unsettling um and then yeah just that kind of feeling that this could happen and that kind of thing but um uh yeah also in a way of like the feeling I get whenever I watch this of really thinking because this is so linked to the kind of new journalism and and the, the source material and the way of in which Capote, you know, manipulated this information out of people and his very close relationship to the kind of relationship that is required to 
gather this much information from people about a crime that ultimately, although horrific, was quite a small crime. You know, a, a small crime that involved very few people, ultimately. You know, like the small town, the family, the killers. You know, it's a, it's kind of a weirdly close-knit collection of people. Um, so obviously in order for this story to ever have been told, it was necessary for him to become as close to the people that, it, yeah, it doesn't always sit completely right with me. And it's it kind of goes back to my own obsession with cases like this and sort yeah. of observing that and kind of being a bit unsettled by myself. What's in the box? Or <laughs> yeah. Uh, evil. But um, yeah. So uh, I, I just, I think this is still a really fascinating film. I think um, stylistically... Um, the production quality of it. Um, I think it's uh, some of the the themes are still relevant. So I, I felt like we'd have a lot to talk about. So, what did you think? Well, certainly that we will have a lot to talk about. But uh, performances good, cinematography good, everything else shit. <laughs> shit. Yeah, I was actually sitting there afterwards, going like, Whoa. Oh, "Oh, I don't know why I disliked this movie as much as I did." And Whoa. then I, I'm just sitting Dislike? back there. Really. Yeah, I was just sitting Holy there going shit. like, okay. But like, after the movie, it was it, it left me not that I not a sense of like hatred towards the movie. It just left <laughs> me going like, oh, why didn't I not like this movie? And the more I thought, the less I liked the movie. Yeah. Uh, for one as well, like I'll qualify it in a way that I come after uh, this story, and it's the third version of the story that I get to because i saw the two capote movies the infamous oh you saw infamous as well i've never seen that uh, well let's say that toby jones is surprisingly better than philip hoffman uh philip as capote Capote, but obviously kathleen keener is far better than sandra bullock um, why was sandra bullock in that film so strange because there was like a couple years that people pretended to sandra bullock to act (laughs) (laughs) huge conspiracy that the entire like the entire world decided to take part of like okay uh basically i think that the uh Obviously, Cameron Hall, even to his last movie, which was Road to Perdition, his cinematography is always amazing. There is no flaws in that part, obviously. The performances are generally okay. Uh, like, the three main guys are good. Like, um, the guy playing Perry Dick and uh, Dewey. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is like, I can't still, I still can't. And I was the real name. But uh, it just makes me feel like the 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 youngest Malcolm in the Middle character, dude. just going around with like a, a handbag with a break inside. Uh, but their performances are okay. But compared to like the performance, especially in Capote of the of uh, what's his face, the guy that was in Tigerland as well. The because Daniel Craig oh, is oh the miscast. guy who plays Perry yeah yeah uh, the Daniel Craig is hugely miscast as Perry I in find the, that the so strange one. I can't even imagine what that would be like and I like Daniel Craig oh yeah like he'd be a good dick not a good Perry <laughs> like it's yeah. besides the entire point of like uh, Perry but uh, what I think that the book does even though the book doesn't really get to the relationship of of uh of Capote, Capote and, and, the, and the characters, I think that for one that you mentioned in the in your opening is very interesting, and I think it's far more interesting than the actual story of the of the crime, because maybe when it came out, you had this thing that it was it was never done that way. Okay, 
the uh, a book telling like focusing mm, so much on yeah. one crime but we're I'm watching this movie in 2017 when there's like I can go to a bookshop and literally there's an entire wall with that so it's not, and as well loses the prose that Capote has that overrides the the sameness nature. yeah because it, his prose is so good that it overrides the the sense that I've read this before even though this is the first you know yeah. it's like fucking john carter just because it's the first it doesn't mean that it doesn't feel new because you have other things that you've seen you know Mm -hmm. uh but oh interesting i'm wondering if this is going to suffer a little bit from the manhunter problem well like i think that it structurally the the movie if i i try to look at it just through the book for like as an adaptation of the book why i really like the book and didn't like the movie yeah and i think is that the movie only focuses in the most boring parts of the book like the whole trial scene or when he's in in prison when there he has like his entire relationship with the the wife of the sheriff that goes in and all of that is completely skipped over but then it's like the bits that are like movie moments it's where the movie focuses, including some ridiculous fucking flashback scenes. Yeah, that's one and of the things that I think does not work whatsoever. So I think some of them work, but a lot of them don't. Literally, there's only one section of the movie that is obviously in the book as well that uh, captured the moment of the book. That is when they're uh, picking up the glass bottles to sell them to make money. Yeah. Because th- the book gives you that sense of life. You know, that this is not just... A story. That's why he spends so not, much time. Do you not get that from? No, for once, like I don't know the Clutter family. Like by the time that the crime happens in the book, you're not only shocked because of the crime, because you know that the crime is coming. Yeah. Is that how it could happen to that family? How like they it describes so much of of uh, the kids and stuff, and also that it doesn't intercut with the with the criminals as they're getting there. You know, it shows the crime on yeah. itself. The they discover the See, bodies, like and you don't that. know anything. I like and that then structure. Go back. But that... in, the, in the movie, like intercutting between the Clutter family, yeah, it, no, I hate it because it it kills the point of why the book worked. Because it's that before the like this is more like a structure of a thriller movie, even of that time, because it's shot in a way a lot like a film noir in a way that yeah, it's, it's quite film noir, quite kind of documentary style. So the structure in itself is very filmy when the movie, like, it had the opportunity to transcend that and not lose tension in itself. Because I thought that it lost tension to know straight away, like, meet Perry and Dick and etc. The same way as, let's say, The Exorcism, that it holds on for so, holds off for so, The Exorcist, yeah. (laughs) That holds off for so long to start showing the, the effects of the possession, let's say. Yeah. In the movie that is like half an hour until uh, you really know that it's like, oh, bad shit is going on. <laughs> that this movie uh, could have benefit of that as well. That is, you go in to watch it knowing that something bad is going to happen. Yeah, but and the, the more crime you... itself is not shown until very late into the film. But that's the thing is that like, uh, like that's all right. But it kill- if you hadn't shown the criminals get into the crime scene in the beginning 
and then show everything at the end because you know their mindset going in you know their uh, how their relation their relationship is up to the point that they get to the house yeah and then they show the <clears throat> the aftermath when Perry's like confessing so i i think that like if that had happened the same way but you are not shown them getting to the house and all the build up to that and not the intercutting you just show everything and then you have that build up as well of their how the murder would happen i think that breaking up that it is not in the book in the book is the the murder happens and then when he's describing the murder as in this movie it goes mm. further back and it builds the, because the whole idea the thesis of the movie and the book, and I think that the movie doesn't get the thesis right, even though it mentions, is about the the third personality that is created by Perry and Dick being together. That they're as individuals, they're separate personalities, yeah. and there's a third when they're together. And I think it, partly structurally, but partly as well because the movie just hits plot points really, instead of going like with the characters, or having the time with the characters to well like maybe scenes the uh, they don't feel like big scenes in the book and in the movie because they're the only scenes that you're shown mm. they're all like big moments like the when they're in the in the dive in mexico they're when that scene happens when he has the flashback let's say mm. like there's such a big build-up that it feels warranted and it feels like a natural progression well in the movie because it just jumps there and suddenly he talks about the, the fucking treasure <laughs> in the, the the in outside mexico and stuff uh, about their plans and how dick decides to shit on perry's plan mm. because there wasn't enough scenes of like day-to-day -day how they lived that way uh, except for the bottle scene that i quite liked both the inclusion and the execution i i didn't feel the characters as realistic as in other portrayals because they feel like movie characters when really they, yeah okay jesus that's interesting like <clears throat> i think what i kind of agree with you slightly that it's very true that you spend very little time with the clutters in this very little time and I think that obviously if you look at the breakdown in the book to the breakdown in this of screen time and time given to characters obviously massively more time is given to Dick and Perry and realistically more time is given to Perry even than Dick yeah. um, which I don't think is a mistake for their characters but um, I remember whenever I first watched this and being kind of like slightly confused as to why the family was given so much screen time and thinking about like especially how much of a character that um oh what's the name of the daughter i have the name brenda in my head but i don't think that's right oh the good kid <laughs> yeah i don't know whatever her name is and how like she's such a strong character and like was a really interesting person um but the, the more i watched i've watched this movie the more i think that Within this film, I think giving more screen time to the family would have made it seem, I don't know, somehow more manipulative or something. I feel like you get completely who this family are and hammering home the point that Capote is able to do in the book 
much more subtly than I think you could have done in this film, this film particularly. I think ultimately in order to properly adapt this book like fully and masterfully you would need to probably do a much like a mini series or something like I, uh, but i think that within this film i think spending more spending less time with them but the time that you do spend with them is like very like very like specifically shown sort of their very simple daily life and it doesn't help that their performances are terrible like especially the the girl the son isn't great and the girl either and the guy like the mr what's his face mr Uh, clutter yeah mr clutter um, (laughs) what's his first name i don't even know but the thing is that like well like his performance their performances are not so bad when the crime is happening like yeah like i'll give you that the they really show the horror of the situation yeah but in the day-to-day life they're like as wooden as the floor the creaky floors of the house <laughs> like it, like you can see like now i'm gonna be the all-american boy hey dad how am i doing helping you yeah here? the sun isn't great and and she's not great either it's kind of but it's a pure 60s teenage yeah. performance yeah. it's like straight straight out of a rejected audition for american graffiti like um, <laughs> do you want to know something really creepy though well that's the actual clutter family home yeah like it's it, like the real house it, that's weird like that's like production value cinematography like, is good but ooh. considering that it's shot where it is shot yeah and that's going back to my point that i think the it, coming to the movie sideways and why i think capote and infamous where the right approach to tell this story in a filmic way, mm. is that Capote, in particular, are able to show the town way more like what the town was and what the murder meant to the town than this movie does. Mm. They also get to under the skin of Dick and Perry a lot more. The crime, uh, like uh, Chris Cooper as the as the policeman, how it affected him, but also how they that idea of the the big Republican fucking copper, you know, in the small town kind of like yeah, yeah. military Chris haircut. Chris Cooper is so perfect for that. It's yeah. ridiculous. Like he, it, it just seems that he like woke up in the middle of shooting American beauty and just, uh, <laughs> wandered on, onto yeah. the wrong set. <laughs> yeah. Like just a 10 year nap. Uh, but, that's the thing is that like sometimes that's why I think it was a, a genius approach to doing it and also it gives you like the also the side thing that how interesting it is like Capote's dive into it and the how new it was for America yeah. or for the world for like journalism of that but way I don't agree with you though that it's like the best way to tell the story because well, that's in a, a filmic way no, the best way to tell a, the story no, is the my, book my point is that it's not the same story that the films are telling this is an adaptation of the book that's a that's looking at Capote and his yeah but as Capote as a character and like importantly for this story especially the book Capote is not a character I know he but, is the omnipresent but that's what I'm saying that like <laughs> I don't I think that it's a worthless uh, like exercise to make an adaptation of the book and into a movie like all together because because of the nature I do agree that it would be a different beast if you do did it into a mini series but we we're talking about a movie yeah okay and the thing is that there's not enough time in two hours to get to anywhere of the actual interesting shit of the book, which is the portrayal of the family, like in length, the portrayal of them, but in length that it goes from like really uh, through their childhood, both of them, not just Perry's 
like here and the yeah. whole concept well, it's is that clearly the, conscious choices to to yeah. pick Perry as and to be fair I think that Perry ultimately is the more interesting character even within the book despite the fact that Dick is given as much yeah like he's the more he interesting is. but is yeah, that without even, Dick without understanding Dick you can't understand really why Perry did what he did do you feel though that you don't understand Dick through this well, I that's the thing is that I kind of understand. I understand him because I read the book, but the movie gives me none. Like it, it just going like that. He's like a suave fucker or whatever, and then like, he gets to a position that they have to kill, and he kind of chicken chickens out at the end, you know? Yeah. Uh, but in in the especially the dynamics of the relationship and the how they react to the crime afterwards, and there's like one moment in the movie that. Uh, Perry keeps saying about how there's more than uh, there's there are witnesses. Yeah. And it's like, oh, if you squeal, I might have to kill you, kind of thing. Yeah. And there's this tension that in that scene it kind of works in the movie, but not for the the rest of the of the movie, let's say. Really? Well, yeah. You don't feel because I think that some of the strongest parts of this film are when. Uh, not just because the cinematography is amazing um when they're just driving around in the car and the whole build up to because like i think one of the strongest things of this film is how it kind of like lulls you into a strange for me anyways probably not for you lulls you into kind of a strange like oh not like false sense of security almost of like where you kind of forget the film that you're in and you start to find yourself like liking them like as they are driving around like before they get to the crime and like they're kind of like back and forth and their relationship and how I like that it we don't have like imagine how much better this film would be without the hallucinations if we just take the hallucinations out of it and the shitty jazz <laughs> soundtrack <gasps> oh my god you don't like the Quincy Jones soundtrack? No, it's fucking terrible. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, okay, okay. I I, I concede because I think that if you can't if you can't like the soundtrack, it's completely out of place. What? Oh my god! Look, the soundtrack is like I I might be wrong. I oh, might be wrong okay. in in a broad You're sense because this is a movie your of opinion. The, the, there's a ninety <laughs> that the film wrong. that the, the film is ninety two percent Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, I consider that I'm an outlier in saying that this movie is bad, okay? But in most of yeah. even the good reviews of this movie, uh, the point that keeps coming up is that the soundtrack, either they like the soundtrack or don't like it. It's very divisive. Well, I don't it's think. jazz. That's not that surprising. Yeah, but it's jazz. It's like a true crime movie and then you're kind of like fucking weird like and i love jazz don't get me wrong but it it, it sounds like the fucking audrey horn fucking soundtrack in twin peaks the this kind of like completely oh weird oh, okay, uh, cacophony okay. Of, if i like in my mind that soundtrack is oh god i have all these notes about the soundtrack and how it's like it's so interesting because it's like oh jesus it's just the like erratic nature of it and how oh okay I I'm walking out. <laughs> no, I I I I love jazz. You know that I love jazz and I love jazz no, soundtracks, well, I think but this that... is completely it doesn't match the tone of the movie whatsoever, at least for me. That okay, well... it just it was very distracting at times as well. And I think that it's something that aged very badly i think that it is something like pure 60s oh kind of God. like okay i'm gonna like do jazz like the richard whatever richard brooks is kind of 
oh yeah, you know, it would be good. Jazz in this movie. Let, let's get Chad Baker or something to fucking play the <laughs> horn. First of all, don't put Quincy Jones and Chad Baker together. Oh, just move on from that because that's just upsetting me. You're just wrong about that. And I will concede that like music is incredibly subjective. And if if I okay, I think I would probably be. I well, see, I suppose this is the kind of soundtrack where if you if you don't like it, you're just gonna hate it. Well, like you know what I mean. If I listen to it individually, it's good music. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not that I felt that the music was bad. I just don't think that it fit the movie. Yeah, it's like I if if you gave me the soundtrack and I hadn't seen the movie, I would have been like bopping and going like, oh, Quincy Jones, oh, the man. Like I find, well. I think that in my mind at least, the combination between the image and that soundtrack it, it adds to the like just uh, oh god, the opening notes of it are so creepy. Oh my god, like yeah, the, like the that that soundtrack f- like frightens me. Like, I was sitting there going, because we've spoken about this movie before, not since you picked it into the podcast, but, like, way back when... <laughs> we stuck to the rules. <laughs> way back when we were, like, talking about, like, true crime movies like Zodiac and stuff, and you're like, oh, this creeps me out to bits, uh, etc. And I have a fairly good memory, so I remember our conversations. And I, I was sitting there watching the movie, and... It, it, I was bored enough that it went back to the... Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, she did say that this was creepy. I was like, oh, which bit? You were and then bored? Was, yeah. Like, there's only one moment that the movie truly sings. And it's when they're in the... In the... In the station and getting interviewed uh, on the two rooms. And it reminded me of two other movies that clearly were inspired by that scene that it's L.A. Confidential mm-hmm. when he's going. And also The Wire when it's like when they're going oh, and trying to go. Yeah. And I was like just waiting for somebody to bring him McDonald's. <laughs> so like, somebody's like, you I got my peanut butter cups. <laughs> and that brings structurally to another issue of the movie that it tries to be too faithful to the book in a certain level and forgets that this is a fucking movie and you don't have the time out of the book. Because... Pretty much every scene, except for the weird re- reporter that shows up, that is like kind of yeah, playing yeah, like Capote, yeah, but not Capote. I agree with you. That is really out of place. But with that exception, everything else is pretty much more forward from the book. It's, yeah, the dialogue. Yeah, about, yeah, and the scenes themselves, as they play out, it's just edited within like the script. Just lifted the scene and went. Okay, we don't have time to have like a three-page scene, so we're just gonna do two pages. Cut this bit, or dialogue this bit. That's it. And then what it does is that it does it's nothing, then because it is literally a copy and paste of the the book. But it's why some adaptations that are not really faithful to the book are able to get the sense and the the actual meaning of the book on screen because they are able to Give translate. Give me an example of of that. Like you're you're being a bit general there. Of uh, a film that... No, like, no, I, of what you're describing that the film is doing wrong. Well, like, uh, for example, the the scene with all the... Um, um, when they're going, like, to... Uh, to Mexico or uh, when they're in on the run let's say okay mm-hmm. is that in the book because they have a lot of time to to show what's happening they spread out a lot of events so it, well he spreads out as they happen the events on a long period okay mm. and in the movie they pick 
something at the beginning, another scene from the middle, another scene of the end, okay? And it just plays that scene as it plays in the book. But in the book, it works because you have all these other scenes in, in between. Mm. And what the movie as a screenwriter uh, they could have done is either pull information in those scenes that they did choose to show, change them a bit to get the information that you get in the in the book. Like when they fight, there's a huge buildup in the book. And here's they're like pally and laughing in one moment and then suddenly it's like dick goes like i sold the car or whatever mm. and that that's it so it feels completely fake because like two seconds ago the last time that we were with dick and perry they're pally as hell because they're like happy that they made a fortune fucking like swindling out in kansas city you know the whole montage is so yeah, funny like it is a good montage but like what and you were talking about time it's like the first time that you get uh you, you, they spend for like 10 15 minutes in a two-hour movie doing that that is like okay i got it after the first moment that yeah. dick is like a charlatan and perry will go with him so that's like 10 minutes that could have been used on other things even if you're staying with dick and perry it could be after the th- trial or the trial that it's the most interesting part of the book in a way how they behave in the trial as well, and how they became friends yeah. with the sheriff and the wife. Yeah, that it, I even kind of prefer them kind that. Of that's because the whole trial aspect of it is something that is done so much. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Like, so is the beginning. It's like if you're taking a plot by plot, this movie is just like a slightly better version than a Criminal Minds episode, in the sense. Of, no, like if you go the plot by plot, like what happens, like. Oh yeah! Oh, you had two Girl crazy people. Shot by Conrad Hall. Yeah, no, like I'm saying that it is like far it has a far bigger scope and and <sighs> tangent and stuff. But if you're coming to oh, it has been too much done too much. Everything about true crime at this stage has been too done too much. So I'm saying of what is interesting of this story now of true crime in general. Yeah, and I think that. Like for example, structurally, for example, I'm not certain because that would be a different movie, so you can't judge this fictitious movie. But you're gonna you're gonna restructure it anyways. Yeah, I'm gonna restructure it anyways. <laughs> that if you had uh, two parallel uh, plots, okay? Yeah. Let's say like Martha Martha Marlene, uh, the the title I always miss. Uh, Four words. Yeah, but they're all the same word, really. <laughs> Literally, it's. It's four versions of her name. Um, but if you did that, you have the all the runaway shit of Perry and Dick, you mm-hmm. know, and it starts with them already on the run. And it cuts to them uh, to the other timeline is just the Clutter family. Mm. And you're still focusing more on Dick and Perry because that's like the more interesting thing. But you really get into the characters of the, the family as you go along so you you spend more time all together but you don't have to spend the half an hour in the beginning as in the book though spend like 100 pages with the characters okay but you can like flesh out the characters make the friend there the boyfriend every like make their lives feel like something that was lost because of this crime which i think it's a big missed opportunity in the movie that it's about partly is that and then when Perry, when I don't think that that feels like the crime has no weight or that their lives have no well, like, but it, it, it's 
it's done in the kind of what you call it like the intellectual thing of every life matters not that those particular people were something because i didn't get to know them whatsoever like they, like i said there's two scenes of them going like oh i'm the good girl <laughs> and she's like that and the son is like oh you you can go to bed son you, you help me enough now yeah and that's it like that's literally you can put it that's what i mean about a criminal minds episode that you could put those scenes in a criminal minds episode would be shot worse would be uh acted worse even though this is fairly badly acted those scenes uh but like it'd be it's the beginning of a criminal minds episode when the the whole point of the book is that there's so much more depth and then when you get to when uh, Perry's <laughs> confessing about what really happened, mm. it's when the Clutter family uh, plotline catches up with them. So when he's telling them, it's like the two stories meld together. It's the clashing of the worlds. Uh, and you go in and you get everything that the movie does, but at the same time getting the thesis of the book and also gives you more time to spend with Dick and Perry. Mm-hmm. But also to explore the third personality that is the whole point. Like, is that the movie is not particularly bad per se. It's not badly made. But the problem that I found is that not only being the third time that I'm like going through the story, but it's like every time that I saw th- that story before, mm. I was entertained and it was, it was like new because it's interesting to have a new take. And that kind of carried me through this movie. I think if I didn't have that, I'd even feel more bored by it. But uh, I think it's the... It, it misses the everything that is good about the other things and the thesis of all the other uh, of the book and the other two movies and what they choose to explore mm-hmm. are the interesting part because it's not just a true crime thing it's even it it's rises above that while in this like when they go, uh, even uh, what they talk about uh, society and the how uh, the way that it ha- the the one of the theses of the book is that you society neglects children and poor people and the yeah. children of addicts. Okay, you're not a. <laughs> then they go. Then they, they grow older and society keeps neglecting them until they commit a until society forces them to commit a crime and that crime because. They're and then we kill them for it. Yeah, and we kill them for that. And we're doing the same crime, but we're kind of like washing our hands. The In this movie, uh, they say that, but it's what you always bring up that is like, they didn't show me anything of like, why does this matter? Why does this story matter? Why is it different? What matters well, about hold this? Hold on, like whatever about... <laughs> does this story matter or is it interesting or is it whatever but you can't say that it's not showing you those things no it's not like, this it, is like it tells hammering you. home the anti fucking it, it tells you like fucking the reporter the Truman Capote the yeah, well, guy goes like <laughs> we'll leave oh, him out of this well, yeah but that's the thing is that because there's nothing of the trial afterwards like the coppers are, because it doesn't show the relationship that even Dewey had with Perry and and dick yeah and everything is that when they stand to kill them it's kind of like oh yeah we're killing them that the only guy that kind of shows a bit of relationship with with them is, is the the priest that visits perry yeah but 
like I agree with you on the, on the priest thing, but um, do you not find though that the actual killing scene it has power? Well, like it has power because it's made by competent people, but like not in the sense of like a, as part of a movie that is not like just a well executed scene. But altogether, I don't think it's yeah, a movie that yeah. says anything that I give a shit about. It's like the performances are great scene by scene, but I. I feel that the, especially seeing other takes on those characters and also having read the book is that it felt literally the, they're lifting the best bits of the book. You know, it's yeah. like the, the okay that okay. issue of uh, adaptation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Don't stop me there before you continue. Um, yeah, just going back to that ending, like for me, I think what is most powerful about the ending and I think what I think really brings forward that particular thesis of the fact of society you know needing to be better than than this uh, that it's it's that kind of the the em- emptiness of it and the lack of heroes I think within this film that is something that I think is quite powerful that they 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 are they are villains but they are also victims they are and I think that that's why I respond to this film that because we do spend more time with them and ultimately the film ends and there's no triumph. There's no even I think that like this best maybe illustrated not in the ending, but say like of the entire sequence of when they are actually caught and how there's no there's no scene of like Dewey, you know, at a press conference getting you know what I mean? Or or say like the kind of it's just it's it's missing that kind of like triumphant you know we've we've caught the monsters and it's constantly like undermining your you're wanting to, to to brand them as monsters because we're constantly going back to them and seeing them as fleshed i think fleshed out characters so in the end when it just ends and you realize you don't realize but it, you get the full weight of the fact that they're this this, this is what <clears throat> this is how we deal with this. This is how, still to this day, this is how we deal with this this problem that we have in fact ourselves created and are not really like coming up with real solutions to combat it. And it's just this endless sad circle where ultimately in real life there are no heroes and there are no monsters they're just it's it's the sad shades of gray of this film and i think that that is why it is successful in my opinion not as successful as the book is but the book is a book and i think that this as a film works for me at like illustrating that and like did you watch the movie after reading the book or did you do the opposite i did the opposite i read that i saw the film before i read the book okay uh, I think that that might be the the difference between our takes is that for you that felt kind of like fresh or whatever and then the book it's like oh my god there's so much more here yeah and I think, for me I think it's like right. there was nothing yeah. not only and that's the, the thing that it disappointed me is that it, this is exactly the not... same feel, feeling as watching the movie version of The Road yeah that is incredibly faithful but especially when you're dealing with somebody that is so good at prose 
as Capote is and Cormac McCarthy is. I know your view on McCarthy, but that's a, <laughs> a different argument. Did love Cormac McCarthy. But there's not such an obvious moment as in uh, in the road movie, but there's a, a moment in the road that is like quintessentially what the issue is sometimes with adaptation. Yeah. That there's a scene in the road that like uh, Viggo Mortensen has the dad and the kid. Uh, they find a can of coke that hasn't been opened, and he gives the can of coke <laughs> for the, the story so many times. For, for the kid. Yeah, but the listeners have not heard the story, and it's it's uh, on point to what I'm meaning. The kid drinks the can of coke, and the movie focuses on the kid enjoying the coke. And the scene is about the dad remembering how the t- coke tastes through his son's reaction, mm. but it focuses on the son. And I think it's the same issue with this movie. Just because you're faithful doesn't mean that you're getting the essence of what made the the book great. And sometimes that's what makes it harder to adapt. That you can get like a really good draft like this script is. That is a good summary of the book. Mm. But because you're not like adding anything to it. That is the whole point of an adaptation. That you're getting another especially an adaptation from a book to screen that you're getting another uh, for one you're getting like time that you can just play around with time in very interesting ways that you can't do with book because you can't just jump from like one shot to the next kind of thing yeah and, and also, also that images music yeah. sound etc and I think that this movie didn't add anything to it like it doesn't do anything particularly bad but i'm sitting there like all the other two mo- like this is far more competently made that infamous yeah but because of just purely toby jones performance in it but also toby jones is great like capote is a far more accomplished work than both in cold blood and infamous and as a movie i'd say that in cold blood is better than infamous well say it won't be as like saccharine as saying that not as won over by capote as most people were well like i i don't think it's a masterpiece now but i i think that uh, it gave me something that is completely it wasn't only completely new it was new uh using information that is in the book but just having the how capote got the the reactions from perry and and even the the fact of that execution when it goes in and what you said that this movie does for you, the mm. it creates the trying to fight the idea that these guys are villains, that Capote is far more successful than this movie is, uh, and it has the it's about the same length, and it has less time with Dick and Perry. Yeah, because it's through Capote's eyes really, and they're only in prison. You don't see them. Uh, like right floating about yeah <laughs> so even at a hardware store <laughs> yeah so that's the thing is that like that movie is more successful with less time that's why I, I don't think that it's necessary to have more time i don't think that the movie is necessarily worse for being clutter free if i uh, <laughs> pardon the the the, the, the clutter <laughs> but uh this is terrible they were real people um, but yeah, but this movie made me feel like they're not, so it makes me feel like they're. I can joke about it, and it's terrible, but at the same time, it's like, fucking. The, the most realistic thing about this movie, even though it's like completely based on fact, is 
fucking the scars on Perry's knees are really sore looking. But uh, as somebody that has many scars, I was like, yeah, that looks real. That is what you're pinpointing as the most realistic aspect of the whole film. Yeah, but then like he decides to limp at some points and other points is like that kind of like movie limp that is like, ah, ah, I can make a point. You should, of see, really... Rick, you should see Ricardo's ah. face right now. Ah. <laughs> it's like a fucking mouth of Sauron or something. Okay, well, before you ramble too much, um, yeah. I think that your interpretation that um, me saying the film before reading the book, and there was a big gap between me doing that as well. Yeah. So then whenever I read the book, I was like, <laughs> and like, yes, I definitely like the book more than I like the film, but I, I don't like, this film just holds a very special place in my heart of love when... I watched it that I didn't really know what to expect from it and it yeah. kind of surpassed my expectations yeah. of what it was because when I watched it, I didn't really know anything about it. So I think for for that, I forgive it its problems and I don't agree with you that that its problems are even bigger than, you know, I think they are. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting and I think that um, adaptations are notoriously <laughs> uh, fraught. Um with problems of of just the decisions that you make of what you include what you don't include and i think even just ad- adapting something that was like is such a big book and it was really quite important as well like of when it came out and what it did for like but um, like, talking about adaptations just to mention two that i can see the the books looking at me in our smell it. oh my god i took it out of my shelf earlier smell it just smell well that. like not the no, no, no. Like, look, open it up and smell it. Oh, old book smell. Yes. I have a very, very nice copy very of uh, Cold Blood. It's yeah, beautiful. It's probably from the 60s. I, what's so funny is that... Um, but uh, what I mean is that beyond In Cold Blood, I can see the other two books that you mentioned early on as adaptations. Mm-hmm. That was All the President's Men and Zodiac. <laughs> which are works so well as movies and i know that they digress in moments from the original material to compress things and extend things because they're adaptations yeah but to the point of like fucking uh fincher doing the same as in this movie using the real life locations and when not being able to using cgi but really to get the exact yeah thing of the so the attention to detail is not the issue there it's that whatever way they adapted those works yeah it felt successful as a movie for me which uh, in the case of all the presidents man i had watched the movie when i was really really young and then read the book when i couldn't remember anything of the movie mm. and then rewatched the movie so the second time even though technically i watched the movie first yeah yeah the first time that i watched it Do you properly, remember any of the 500 names yeah <laughs> The first time that I watched it properly as an adult was like with the same take that I would have gotten from this movie kind of thing. That mm. it's like I just read the the source material that has a lot of, like and all the president's man is far more complex than this is has to get through a lot more <laughs> oh, God, yeah. has to get through a lot more uh what's homework to get you to yeah, the point well, of caring. Pakula but was a freaking genius though. Yeah, but like, I, I like that's the thing. Not as like that, an excuse, but the, the Pakula, I think, um, it's, it's gonna like obviously the it took a genius to make all the presidents men work yeah. as a movie, but at the same time I think that somebody else could have done a better movie than Richard Brooks, or maybe Richard Brooks had the material for a better movie, but 
They, because the book was so of, big, I people read just an, it had I, to be Yeah, equal. I read an interesting article actually about, because I didn't really know anything about Brooks, and uh, I think it was in The Guardian, basically, um, talking about how he, he injected himself into the film, and how apparently he was like notoriously a bit of an asshole to work with, um, wouldn't take input from other people, um, like... And you can see that, you know, he produced, wrote the screenplay and directed it. As he, you know, he was a very single vision person. He is to blame then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think with the problems that there are, like, the the idea of bringing in the, um, the, 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 the reporter or the kind of, like, you know, <laughs> the hallucinations, etc. Um, well, was, yeah, they're kind of hallucinations, kind of. Um, I bring you know that that's entirely his idea. Like there, there, it's not. You know, he wrote it, he directed it. I can probably imagine someone saying to him, even though this was the sixties, that that was a, that's a bad idea. Although <laughs> it did make me think. Of, Don't um, do it, man. The Don't conversation and that really bad dream sequence. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Why you mean the deleted scene from Batman Returns? <laughs> like just imagine at Danny least... DeVito as the Penguin showing up in that. At least thing. there was no fog machine in this. That's all I'm saying. Um, or like creepy. Yeah, but at least the coach. fog machine would have made it interesting. Instead of fucking ripple wipe. <laughs> Like it's like go back to the, just go back to the fucking what was it the dead zone not the dead zone what's the 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 TV show the what the Twilight Zone the, yeah it just feels, oh, feels like no you're oh. bashing the Twilight Zone okay get no wait wait I'm not bashing Twilight Zone Twilight Zone is trashy to get a good point across this is uh. Well made, but it doesn't get anything across. Um, oh God! Um, I think this is um, probably one of like the best illustrations of like this podcast because it really is like the difference between coming to something later and seeing something earlier in your life, and how there are certain films that will be able to transcend those barriers, and others that can't. Well, like, mostly I think you're just wrong, but um, well, like, uh, well, like most of the world thinks that because it holds ninety two percent. Unanimously but, loved as you think it is. Well, like uh, it better not be, otherwise. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, like explains why Trump is president, anyways. Um, <laughs> oh um, my God, so many references. Okay, Ricardo, what was what was wait, your wait 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 like? Let me okay have closing a, comments. Uh, a closing comment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, is that it's an interesting. Uh, pick in a way because there was so much that it reminded me of other movies that you shot on explain the Mexico scene is like I can see that like in Born on the 4th of July when they're in the whorehouse even when like, he's like uh, oh my god go, this yeah. is so much better than that wait, 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 I'm not, fucking tangent in that movie well, like, I'm not saying that it is better or worse it just reminded me of okay. but even the ending the ending is exactly in a way but with a far weaker movie preceding it for me to be like forgiving about it's like the same shit as what you shot on in Judgment and Nuremberg when he Me, came Judgment in. Judgment and Nuremberg is going to come in. Yeah, because it is. The, oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you what the thesis of the movie is. <laughs> but at least Judgment and Nuremberg spent three hours telling you that. So you were like showing you that. So when you, you, your complaint is like, I already knew that before yeah, you yeah, said you it. For to. me, and this is like, if he hadn't said it and I hadn't read the book, I would have been like, uh, 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, 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 that's a creepy shot. Okay. Movie's over. Uh, credits. Thanks. Bye. Okay. This movie did not work for you, and that's um, fine. Not, not at all. But uh, well, what well, was your favorite thing? Uh, cinematography is like yeah. black and white. Mm. Conrad Hall can't go wrong. Well, is that it's everything that is on screen is great. But that's not the issue I have with the movie. No, but that's fine. What was your favorite thing in this uh, uh, moving picture? <laughs> I was going to be like... <laughs> I was going to say the soundtrack just to be a dick. <laughs> uh, no, probably the, it's probably the cinematography. Like, it's, okay. it's just... It's, it's glorious. Like, there is not... There is not a frame in this that is not just beautifully constructed. And... Oh, it's just... I mean, even like I love like his just use of um, even like the lighting in this as well, and like um, there's just like the use of darkness in a very kind of um Gordon Willis type way. They were friends, um, and and even just like uh, just a certain use of like practicals and then like the yeah. you know like the torches and just I could imagine what this film would have looked like, particularly that scene where they finally show the actual killing itself and what that could have looked like without this kind of cinematography. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's unreal. Um, so yeah, that definitely Mr. Hall. Yeah. And the killing kind of like th- that scene works very well, but yeah. And it really, really, cause I remember like watching it and kind of being like, Oh no. Cause I remember the first time I was like, Oh my God, you don't see the killing. That's so edgy. And then I was like, Oh, you see the killing, but it's like, it, it's the scene is so yeah. powerful that it manages to, um, well, you actually don't see the killing because it's the well, 60s. No, you can't show like a shotgun. Yeah, but that's good though. Um, just like his head blowing up like fucking. But even just like their mo- like their sad movements around the house and, and just. Ugh. Anyways. Ah, yeah, like I, I just, just to go back. <laughs> like I'm thinking about like how you were saying about how like, you, you don't know them. But I feel that you know them almost through their walking through their home. And it really feels like an invasion of their home. Nah. Okay. I, I, well, we'll not we'll not relitigate. Nah. What was your least favorite thing? Well, like uh, how cowardly the movie is in taking the story. Uh, I think for one, it's like every choice is the safe choice, except for like cinematography, especially for the time of using like yeah. the practicals and stuff. I don't think that there's a lot of uh, courageous uh, takes on the movie, even. On how to portray the characters and so and going back just to finish up is that you don't really get across how smart Perry actually is uh, how uh, Dick is really like uh, uh, the sad everyman <laughs> well Dick gets a, it's easier to get Dick across because he's a sad everyman while Perry is a very strange kind of intelligence that he has but mm. he's very very intelligent the Again, Capote gets better. And the book, obviously, because it's a book, gets far better. But uh, what's your least favorite thing? Um, Probably the uh, reporter. Because it's just... <laughs> you kind of feel like it's going to turn out that the guy was a ghost. You know, that he was only there for like, someone for Jerry to talk to. You know, yeah, then like, like, oh. he walks hand in hand with Dick and Perry's ghost <laughs> like, to the horizon. He does get some, like, sort of, like, just... Tell me how much I thought of Psycho while watching this this time. Like, just of those sort of, like, sort of, oh, the fucking, um, it's like, <laughs> like, 
pulpy psychology like just yeah. the, you know like yeah there's, there's there's too much of that in this and i think that it did not need it at all and that report comes out of fucking nowhere as well yeah, I, I, for a moment like i thought that i was what like what did i sleep the... for five minutes or something <laughs> did i miss like an introductory scene that's or what something? i'm saying about like the fucking ghost thing it's like <laughs> who are you talking to but um uh yeah i mean i, I can get over those things but um yeah yeah, it was like young Mr. Clutter or something like <laughs> freaking young Mr. Clutter. He just walks away and starts walking in the sky, like <laughs> being there, like fucking. Yeah, well, like, well, like that. But it, what frustrated me of this movie is that it's like when it ended, it wasn't even bad enough that I was pissed off at it. Is that I, like I literally had to look back. And kind of almost watch it again to get like to really analyze why I dislike the movie. Yeah. But like, if it was offensively bad, I would have been like, I kind of enjoyed this because it's already like a pulpy story, you know. This was just. Did you think I was boring. gonna recommend something that was offensively bad, but like not even in a fun way? Well, like I thought that like maybe you didn't think it was offensive, but the same way that I didn't, I don't think of what a lovely war is offensively bad, but well. you too. <laughs> so there's no accounting for taste. Um, that's yeah. what I mean. So. Okay, well, that was uh, in cold blood. Ricardo didn't. He was he was lukewarm. No, <laughs> not was, not cold blooded about it. <laughs> oh Jesus! So next week's film is Ricardo's pick. And what is it? Uh, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Golly, is that a is that a musical? Yeah, cool. but it's French, so. Okay. Where can they find us, Ricardo? Uh, they can find us in Ireland, and um, is that what IRL means? <laughs> they can find us on Twitter at the Rec Game, uh, Facebook the Recommendation Game, uh, Gmail the Recommendation Game at Gmail dot com. And uh, we are on Dublin Digital Radio on Mondays from 11 to 12. And also we are in the Dublin Digital Radio Mix Cloud. And uh, she's doing finger guns and I don't know why. (laughs) You're dead to me. (laughs) I was Ricardo Deacon. I was Orla McGuinness. Thank you for listening. See you next week.